Hey, Rhonda Brunson. Welcome to the Picking Strawberries podcast. Thanks for listening and being a part of this community that's searching for the beauty in every single day. Today we have Coach Sarah, Chef Sarah, Nutritionist Sarah, Jiu-Jitsu Combat Artist Sarah, so many things that her life experiences, what she's gone through, what she's passionate about has led to her purpose. It gets real, it gets vulnerable, and just a beautiful story of intertwining the things that matter, the things that are hard, and how you can make that into a life that fills you up up and leads you to who you're supposed to be. Hello, Miss Sarah, and welcome to the Picking Strawberries podcast. Thanks for being here today. I am so excited that you said yes, and you're just badass. And we get to talk about that today and how you got there and how you're going to get us there. So thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to finally be one of your your guests. <laughs> so fun. Well, okay. So I know you as Chef Sarah and I'm celiac and you truly helped me, especially when I had no idea what to do, get over that and get into just such a better place with food for me and nutrition and just knowing how to work within this new parameter of where I was. But I know you do way more than that. So I'd love to run down the highlights of just what occupies your time on a daily, because I feel like this is a long list. So who is Chef Sarah? Oh, very tired. Um, <laughs> no, um, my day usually starts around 3.30 in the morning. I know, I know. And it ends about at 11.30 at night. So bear with me. Um, so I get up around 3.30 in the morning and I start... I do all the thing, a uh, couple of things around the farm, and then I head um, to my beginning training sessions of the day. I train gi in the morning from about five thirty to seven, and then I lift for a little while, do some conditioning, head back to the farm, and take care of the farm and animals, and do all those things. And then I clean up after all that, handle my clients for a few hours, and then I usually take a nap, necessary. I would think, yes. Yeah. So I usually sleep again from 3.30 until about uh, 5 or so. And then I get up and eat again and head to my evening training session. And then I train from about 6 to 9 p.m. every day. And that's jujitsu. Like when you said gi before, I think, you know, 10 years ago, I may not have known what that was. And now I'm in that world too. Um, But yeah, that's jujitsu training. Yes. So I do jujitsu in the morning, jujitsu most of the evenings. And then I do some wrestling in the evenings as well, depending on the day. So um, if I didn't have a schedule and a lot of timers, I would be late for a lot of things, which I'm getting much better at, actually. I bet. So you work with athletes from high school wrestlers to pro MMA fighters to women who are postpartum with the goal of the best nutrition possible to fuel their life. Just from the outside, looking in on this, it feels like your passion for cooking and being a chef and then being a pro athlete yourself has become this like magical place of purpose. What is your story, like your backstory of where you are today? So this one's a funny one. I actually uh, don't talk about my story a lot. Sorry, it always makes me a little emotional. <laughs> mm. Food is a really big thing in my family and in the culture of the South, obviously. Like everything you do is around food. Every family vacation, every trip, every everything you do is around when are we going to eat? What are we going to eat? I got really sick and my body started rejecting food. 
I ended up being able to eat like one protein shake a day for about six months. And my body just started going into this downward cycle. And I was in a ton of pain. I went blind for about three to six months. I lost the use of my left arm. I was on all kinds of medication for all these years. I was unable to do any of the things that I wanted to do. I went from being able to lift and train and run and do all these things to being on bed rest for a lot of time as a teenager. That was really, really hard. I bet. They told me that I had a really rare brain condition. (laughs) You're okay. They said that I probably was not going to make it to 24. And how old are you now? 32. Thank you very much. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I shifted and looked at what I needed to get into culinary school and what kind of scholarships were going to be needed for that. Because with a real culinary school, you don't get summer break. You don't get regular vacations. It's about a year and a half and you get either a certification or a real associate's degree, depending on where you go. And I wanted to finish something. So that was my big goal. I wanted to finish something. And I was like, if I can't be a doctor and I can't help people and I can't do that, that was my dream my whole life, then I can at least learn to take care of people in a different way. And so learning the skill of like cooking, I was like, I can be really efficient. You know, like I can take care of a family. Um, I could take care of a I was thinking about working like food banks and stuff like that and how I could be very efficient. So I was just trying to learn skills to become efficient at um, being able to give. Motherhood at that point was already awash for me because of all the medications and treatments and everything that I had been on at that time. So I'd already been told no a lot, you know, and I wasn't even 18 yet. I mean, it's that unique path, right? There's no one path to where your purpose and what you're supposed to be doing. So what turned it around medically for you? Because you're a combat pro athlete now, like clearly something turned around there from being bedridden. Is there a clear moment or like a treatment or? There was a couple things. The big one was me deciding that I wasn't going to do the treatment, that I was done with the treatment. But I went and saw the best neurosurgeon in the country. He actually got my record somehow and um, called me and told me he wanted to see me. He paid for all my MRIs and paid for everything. And when he brought me into the office to pull everything up and review everything, he just looked at the floor and started apologizing. And he just said, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I can't help you. And he pulled out his prescription pad like it was McDonald's. And how many times have I seen it? (laughs) Over it. Over it. And that was the day that I was like, I'm good. I'm good. I said, are you going to give me anything that's going to fix me? He said, no, I can't fix you. And if I can't fix you, nobody can. I said, okay, what's the medicine going to do? Well, okay, I'm out. I'm out. I'm done. I said, "Yeah, pay for the bills. I'm done. And he was like, wait, what? (laughs) And this this doctor has really bad Asperger's. So he had really a lot of issues. And so that spoke to me in a different way. It reminded me of when I was a kid, like eight or nine years old. A lot of my family are doctors and nurses. And uh, my aunt was a a lead nurse at a hospital up in Indiana. And they would do bake sales to raise money for like diabetes and heart disease. And um, she's like, we're raising money for diabetes. And she's like, help me make cookies. I'm like, why are you making cookies to raise money for people who have insulin issues? I'm like literally eight years old. And she looks at me. I was like... I don't understand. I said, doesn't that defeat the point? I was like, if you're trying to raise money for something, shouldn't you also educate people on the reason why it's there? And she just looks at me and she's like, damn. 
(laughs) damn everything just kind of brought me back to that and that was like that was where I fell in love with medicine was through those moments was like a bake sale at a hospital and that reminded me of like the doctors I was trying to help the doctors with the food in the hospital and that made me realize like maybe we're doing this wrong I saw a doctor up in Connecticut he was supposed to be like Dr. House like the like Dr. House of uh, yeah. of the real world. And um, he was like, I wish I did what you did. He's like, you can actually help people. I was like, what? <laughs> He's like, I get paid by pharmaceutical companies. I can't really help people anymore. He said, I'm paying off bills because I, I'm trying to help people and I don't get paid to help people. If I don't write these prescriptions, I don't get my checks. So the more yeah. that I try to help people, the more I go into debt. He said, you don't have that. He said, you have a skill that you can teach people. He said, and we started talking about stuff and that really hit me hard too. And so I've done a lot of self-research, a lot of uh, certifications. I run a lot of tests on myself and with uh, diet nutrition over a period of time, I would go in for MRIs when I would have like weird things happen. And they're like, you. So the last time I actually went in for MRIs because I was having um, some weird, I felt funny. I had like, um, it felt like altitude sickness and when you have a brain condition, those things can be like very, yeah. very questionable. Um, so I went in and they did a pressure test and they actually said that I no longer even qualify as a patient of the condition that I was diagnosed with 15 years ago. And that one hit. <laughs> Our bodies are amazing, right? And yeah. this just so yeah. speaks to like what you do of using food and health and nutrition to just this greater place of wellness, pro athlete or not. All of us can benefit from that. So that's what, just the selling point. That's just yeah. advertising. I mean, it just makes so people much for advertising. Sense. Right. <laughs> I mean, it just makes so much sense to me why you're passionate about this. What do you love the most about what you're doing now? When my clients feel that power for themselves. I hate to see them go, but I love it. I mean, that's your job, right? To send yeah, them out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I know a lot of coaches that are like they do that monthly, like make sure you're getting me with that like monthly income, you know, yeah. and I'm not like that. I'm like, I'm a little more, um, time is not the same in my world. You know, yeah. time was something that I was never guaranteed. So I don't base things on time. I base things on progress. I base things on physical and mental progress. So people are like, uh, don't want to hit me up because they feel like they haven't paid for the time. And I'm like, I haven't given you the full piece of what I have to offer you for what you paid for, you know, like time or not, like, that's not what this is for me. I was like, we haven't reached that goal for that. Whatever you paid for, we haven't reached the point in my mind that I expected us to get for that amount of money. So I don't care how long it takes. We're going to get there. I have a new client and um, she kind of stalled on her start, basically burned through her entire time that she paid for because she didn't even start. I messaged her about it. And she's like, I know, I'm so sorry. I was like, you don't need to apologize to me. I'm here for you. But I want, I just want to understand why it's happening. Like, why do you feel, why are you scared? What, what's holding you, what do you feel is holding you back from, from starting this? What's the challenge? Because especially for women, a lot of times we're under eating for how much we're working. And then our bodies stagnate and stop losing weight or settle at a weight that we're unhappy with. And then I give them these plans that, they have more food than what they're supposed to have and they're afraid of it. But they're also there. We have this food fear, you know? So talking to them about these things and realizing what the real issue is and being able to speak to that 
because I have an understanding of that and of like my age puts me at a certain time of understanding yeah. of advertising and what it did for us growing up and what it did to our parents growing up and what it has done for their mentality around food. It helps me kind of like get, I have behavioral change and some psych certifications. So it helps me kind of like understand a little bit and then break that barrier of why or what's holding us back here. And to be able to speak to people and have them feel that understanding and be like, you know what? You're right. I can do this. Yeah. And then watch them want it and then watch them go after it is a really amazing thing to see. Would you say that's your biggest challenge to helping people reach their goals? Is the mental like... The biggest challenge is wanting them want it for them as much as I do. Because I feel like a lot of times I do. I want it more for them than they do. I could see that. Well, and you just are coming from a different place than most people do, right? Yeah. So when you, you know, you're a pro fighter, how do you motivate yourself to stay on plan, to reach those, you know, goals that you set? I think continuing to have new goals is really important. I usually walk like my like comfortable weight of not really trying to be anywhere is about like 130, 135 but I usually compete around 120 to 125. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know uh, this world. Mm, so Not personally, but I make a lot of chicken for my son. So I know yeah. this world. <laughs> yeah. I kill a lot of chickens. Yeah. Um, right now I'm not, I, my collarbone's broken, so I haven't been competing. I've been taking some time back and um, healing and working on recovery and working on mental stuff. And it's something that I remind myself and remind my clients too, is that there's other work to the game. The game isn't just the time that we spend in the gym working that specific aspect. There are other parts to the work. There's the physical work, the mental work, the nutrition work, the recovery work, maintaining your other relationships, real world, like financial work. Like you have to be able to balance those things. Otherwise, you're not successful. You could be killing people in the gym, but if your bank account's empty and your girlfriend hates you, are you successful? No, you not really. And all that stuff's going to wear on you mentally too. And that takes away from your performance as an athlete. So being on track, like my head gets foggy. If I skip a meal, my head gets foggy and I can't focus or I find myself getting a little agitated. So when I find myself in those times, I set timers and remind myself, I'll treat myself like one of my own clients. I put myself in my app and I program myself like a regular client. And then I try and give myself the same opportunities that I give my clients as well. So if something isn't working for me, I don't like... There's a moment where I'm like, man, you suck. And I'm like, you know what? This is hard. I'm like, it's hard. Um, So let me take it back a little bit, maybe do some readjustments and change some things. And that also makes me a better coach for my clients as well, because then I can understand better how you would be intimidated by a plan like that and then be available for them to speak to me and being like, is it too much? What's not fitting here? How can I make it better for you? How can we be more successful together? So by treating myself like a client, it makes me a better coach and it keeps me on my goals. And um, just watching other people want things. Jealousy is a big factor too. People call it FOMO now, but um, I don't feel like jealousy is necessarily a bad thing as long as you use it correctly. People get jealous and they treat people poorly. That's not really what it's for. I find jealousy as a marker to myself showing me something that I want. And I don't want to theirs. be inspired by yeah, I want yeah. mine. I get jealous of someone's skills or something that they have in their life. And I'm like, I don't want theirs, but I want it in mine. So what did they do to achieve that? What do I need to do to achieve that? So jealousy for me has brought me a lot of things in my life that I didn't even know that I wanted that have made my life more full. 
So, you know. I've never heard that take on jealousy. No, I really love just perspective, right? Perspective changes everything. So interesting. Okay. So I have to slip this in here. We're running out of time today, but as a chef, do you have a favorite thing that you make on your own menu? And will you share the recipe with us in your show notes? Sure. I make a great gluten-free tiramisu cupcake. Oh, I love everything about this. Okay. We will (laughs) share that recipe in the show notes. You can also make it as a sheet cake, which is delicious too. Okay. And it's gluten-free, which just makes my little celiac heart so happy. What inspires you on your journey to just to keep showing up as that best version of yourself? Oof. I don't think that I'm always the best version of myself. Um, I'm honest. But I, love I just it. but I just show up. <laughs> I just I write a schedule and I stick to the schedule. I am never gonna show up at my the best version of myself. I try to be the best version of myself for me in that moment that day. But that's never gonna happen. <laughs> I'm I'm rarely at a hundred percent. I'm at a hundred percent for like a twenty minute window sometimes. And everyone's yeah. like, "Did you have coffee today?" I'm like, "Probably." But I stick to that's a schedule. So honest. I think that's <laughs> us, right? Just keep showing yeah. up. I think that is yeah. such an honest approach, an authentic approach to life. I appreciate this. Okay, so we're going to close this out. I appreciate your vulnerability today that you didn't know maybe was coming, right? Like uh, I, I just... What um, is it, Tuesday, Thursday? I don't know. Yeah, I know. It, I mean, it's just that like when we're living in our passion, it's because it matters and it's because we care. Right. And that's what makes you so incredible at what you do. And just um, sharing that with a bigger audience, I appreciate what that takes because I know how hard that is. So thank you. Thank you for sharing. I can save you you too. (laughs) Right? I mean, exactly. Okay. So, because we have to ask, what's your favorite snack? Oh, snacks. I love snacks. All the snacks. Um, All the snacks. I like cupcakes. There's a really good lemon cupcake from Unrefined Bakery that I'm kind of addicted to. Oh, yeah. That's the gluten-free bakery up in Fort Worth. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They also have confetti cookies that touch my heart. (laughs) now I have to go okay what is your go-to self-care baths I love to take baths and watch tv in the bath Mm, that's such a great recovery too right like double for sure what is your favorite quote I actually have a tattooed across my chest um Abraham Lincoln pain is inevitable suffering is optional Mm, god so good what lights you up Food. <laughs> <laughs> of course it does. I don't even know why Food. I asked that. <laughs> nice. What is one word you would use to describe your life today in this moment? Abundant. Mm. Oh, Sarah, thank you so much. I mean, Coach Sarah, Chef Sarah, Fighter Sarah, all the Sarah. Just you showed up today for us and uh, I really appreciated having you as a guest. Thank you. Thank you. It was awesome being here. I look forward to... Uh, seeing and hearing all your new guests too. Thank you so much, Sarah, for being on the Picking Strawberries podcast, for getting real, for getting vulnerable, and sharing your passion that has you living in your purpose. You can reach Sarah on Fuel the Fire on Instagram. It'll also be in the show notes for one-on-one weight training, one-on-one jujitsu training. She's a personal chef. She is a nutritionist for athletes and an overall nutritionist. She offers so many things that comes from a place in her heart of fueling your best life, fueling the fire. 
So if you know someone that could use Sarah's services, that could benefit from the conversation of this podcast, please share it with them. Let's share the light. Let's lift each other up and keep searching for the beauty in every single day. 